Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the On the Pony Express podcast. I am Billy Embody. Thank you for joining me. It has been a major, major week for SMU football uh, as far as news goes, even though the Mustangs are on spring break. SMU did lose running back Ulysses Bentley to the NCAA transfer portal, and he quickly committed to Ole Miss on Wednesday night. We've got to talk about that. We've got to talk about SMU's time in the AAC tournament coming to a relatively quick end, and now the NIT run that they're just beginning and uh, got their first win of the NIT against Nickel State on Wednesday night. So let's lead off with the big news, and that is that Ulysses Bentley decides to enter the transfer portal. We broke this news on theponyexpress.com for you guys on Friday night as we were uh, actually getting ready to watch SMU take on Tulsa in the AAC quarterfinals. And look, it, it comes as a bit of a surprise, right? I mean, Ulysses Bentley has been kind of the guy when healthy for SMU uh, in that backfield. And when he's healthy, he's certainly one of the most explosive players uh, in the conference for sure. And, and some really, I mean, would, would say kind of nationally, just with what he's been able to do uh, at a big time on a big time stage like the game against TCU in 2021. Uh, instead, now he enters the portal and is headed to the SEC. And when you try to piece together what happened, I think for me, the biggest thing here from what I took away right off the bat when this rumor first kind of hit my radar was that Ulysses Bentley wanted a bigger stage. And that certainly played out exactly how we had kind of heard because he goes to the SEC to Ole Miss where they brought in former five-star running back Zach Evans into that backfield. And so it wasn't a competition thing, I think, for Ulysses Bentley in a way. Obviously, he's coming off of a year where he had been nicked up. Uh, he certainly wanted to you know, be healthy and be available, but that ankle injury that he suffered against TCU really held him back, and then he gets injured again against Houston, and for the most part wasn't the same. You know, After that, he missed some games. And Going into spring ball, he gets a fresh start with Rhett Lashley, who had a really productive time at SMU with the running backs like Xavier Jones. And, you know, for the most part, we saw him running with the number two team. And I think it was the Wednesday practice, Wednesday or uh, Thursday, that we were out there and SMU was scrimmaging and Ulysses Bentley kind of bounces one and, and kind of tiptoes around a little bit and, and, you know, gets shut down, you know, credit to SMU's defensive line. And after that, he went and talked with Rhett Lashley for a bit, kind of watching things from behind the line of scrimmage. And you just got a feeling. And look, I, I reached out to Ulysses, didn't get a response back. But I think SMU and, and the coaching staff was trying to get him to maybe run a little harder. You know, that's something that he has always had to work on uh, ever since he broke out as a redshirt freshman. The big knock on him, quite frankly, was, he bouncing to the outside. He'd not put his head down and, and kind of try to pick up those those hard-earned yards. And it's something that they're still working with him on. And look, I mean, quite frankly, I mean, we've heard a little bit that, you know, Ulysses missed a class here or there too. And so I think this is one of those situations where with a new coaching staff, everybody should be trying to put their best foot forward. I think it's a huge adjustment. It was a huge adjustment for Ulysses Bentley. And I, I, I can't sit here knowing Ulysses and gonna say he's a bad kid or anything like that a bad young man I just don't believe that I just think he maybe hadn't 
quite bought into the level that some were. I know Brandon Epton uh, sent kind of a cryptic tweet with the Forrest Gump waving, and right, that was right around the time Ulysses Bentley hit the portal. And so I, I do think there's some sense that maybe maybe he hadn't bought in like the new staff had wanted to, and, and I think that kind of veiled tweet uh, from Brandon maybe somewhat confirms that a little bit. Uh, and so he moves on. And for SMU's running back room, I, I really want to focus on that because, you know, like I said, hadn't heard back from Ulysses to get his side of things. But just from what I'm picking up, it just sounds like the transition for Ulysses didn't go as he planned, didn't probably go as the SMU coaching staff planned. I mean, you have a player that's explosive like Ulysses Bentley. I, I think the staff was excited to have him in the backfield for this season and, and get to work with him and, and bring the best out of him. So, you know, now you turn the page. You've got Trey Siggers, who's been sitting out spring, uh, looks like recovering from a wrist injury that he suffered at the end of the year. He's, he's had a cast on. He's been out watching practice. And then you've had Tyler Levine, who has been taking a lot of the reps. Brandon Epton's been taking a lot of the reps. Monte Dawson's been in a red non-contact jersey. And that's the group. And you have Zane Miners, uh, a former walk, a walk-on, who's you know trying to contribute there as well. So, you know, I think this running back room without Ulysses certainly loses a bit of explosiveness. You know, that's that's the name of his game. That's what he brought to the table. And I do think you're going to miss that. And I I feel like running back in today's day and age of college football, it's such a rotation. It, you you want to try to keep guys fresh. We saw last year Trey Siggers be fairly consistent in there. Tyler Levine did what he does. Uh, and, and really just kind of runs hard in his limited opportunities. And Brandon Epton showed some flashes. So as far as looking ahead now, you know, the biggest thing SMU is going to have to do is, at least right now in the near future, is manage this running back room during spring practice. Because if Trey Siggers is sitting out all, all the spring, you've got Tyler Levine, you've got Brandon Epton, you've got Zane Miners, it's kind of thin. So I do think they're going to have to watch, you know, the workload uh, until at least Monte Dawson sheds that non-contact jersey and then we'll kind of be able to see, you know, what what they end up getting the pecking order going as far as in fall camp. Does Trey Siggers emerge as that starter? Uh, where does Tyler Levine stand as far as getting his touches? Can Brandon Epton continue to come on? A lot of people are high on Zane Miners. And then there's the wild card, which if you look at Ulysses Bentley going to Ole Miss, he certainly wasn't afraid of maybe Kamar Wheaton coming in to SMU's backfield. Uh, a very, very highly sought after, high profile running back uh, who spent his freshman year at Alabama. It didn't work out. He's transferring. A lot of indications are that SMU is the front runner. A lot of people feel fairly confident saying he's going to end up playing for the Mustangs. And that would be, you know, so, uh, uh, more competition in that running back room. And if he's healthy, he's going to garner some touches, you would think. So this running back room, if they do get Kamar Wheaton, looks pretty good for the 2021, or excuse me, 2022 season. And you're going to have a group that I, I think as far as consistency goes, you know what you're going to get from Trey Siggers. You know what you're going to get from Tyler Levine. And then you hope that Brandon Epton and if you get Kamar Wheaton come along, they're going to be able to, to tote the rock and contribute at, at a solid level. Those are questions we're going to have to see answered. You know, Trey Siggers throughout his college career has been fairly consistent, been productive, and he's going to have to take the leadership role and he's going to have to step up. We know the leader Tyler Levine is. We know his style. We know how hard he works. And so I, I feel like with this running back room, 
it's got that question of who's the explosive guy, who's that big play guy. But now you have a group that, at least from what we know, seems to be maybe a little bit more consistent in what they are, their buy-in level, we know. And, you know, I'm excited to see Brandon Epton take this opportunity. You know, he really looks the part. If you watch SMU practice, he's got the size, he's got the speed. Uh, he's obviously still developing. He got limited time as a true freshman last year, but he looks like somebody that out of that 2021 class could be somebody, somebody that they really hit on. And so I feel like you look at this room and you're in a kind of wait and see mode on the explosiveness, the big playability. But I think with Keenan Hall, Rhett Lashley and the whole staff, you've got a group that's very consistent and you know what you're going to get. And a week or so into spring ball, they didn't really know what they were getting out of Ulysses Bentley uh, so far. You know, you know what he's done in the past, but as far as what he's going to bring to the table, they didn't, they hadn't found that answer just yet. So I wish Ulysses Bentley all the best. He was one of my favorite players to cover. I wish for him personally, he was more, you know, healthier and, you know, that it worked out for him, but he found a home. He got what he wanted. He wanted a bigger stage and playing for Lane Kiffin in the SEC is certainly that. So as running backs, you know, kind of go to that more committee approach, I'll be interesting to see how they use him in that Ole Miss offense. Uh, they certainly have, you know, an ability to get running backs the ball and, and make them productive. So best of luck to Ulysses. It was a bit of a bombshell for those uh, that were following spring ball. And funny enough, I had just interviewed Ulysses on Thursday after practice, and he was fairly short and brief. You know, he was a good, he was a solid interview. It kind of left me thinking that things were going well. But then the next day you hear the rumor that he's going to enter the transfer portal. And um, then kind of the brevity of his answers kind of made a little bit more sense that maybe it was already on his mind. So um, we can kind of shut the door on that uh, and move on. A little bit of a, a brief recap, kind of where we are in spring ball right now. SMU is on spring break now. Uh, they broke uh, for that break uh, after practice on Thursday, and uh, the Mustangs wrapped it up with a scrimmage. And I thought it was pretty spirited. Uh, if you read the notebook on theponyexpress.com, it really was one where I think the defense continued to show that they're able to get pressure on this offensive line, which is was missing quite a few you know key names during that practice. Um, so we'll kind of see how they bounce back once they get guys back. I know a couple guys were sick um, and, and things like that. So, you know, the defensive line has been the most impressive to me so far. I just think Elijah Chapman, Jalen Samuels, and Devere Levelston look kind of poised to to take yet another step under Calvin Thibodeau. Talked with Elijah Chapman after practice, and he was really high on Calvin Thibodeau and, and kind of funny connection for him. Elijah Chapman has been going to Pete Jenkins, one of the best defensive line coaches ever, his camp down uh, in Louisiana for years. And a lot of what Calvin Thibodeau teaches comes from that uh, mindset of, of Pete Jenkins. And Pete still coaches up a lot of the top draft prospects and and gets them going even at, at his age. So um, a lot of respect so far for Calvin Thibodeau from what I've seen and the job he's doing with those guys trying to get them together and and continue to build off of what was a strong year, stopping the run for that group, uh, but also they're trying to get a little bit more pressure. Scott Simons is is kind of bringing that. His defense looks pretty multiple. They, they tend to bring pressure from different areas, and it may look like a pressure, whereas they're dropping out a defensive end 
into coverage like a Gary Wiley and Nelson Paul, um, guys like that. And uh, so I, I think through the first five practices, I believe, I'm pretty impressed with what Scott Simons has put together. I think the offense is still coming along. Uh, we've seen some receivers like Jordan Curley uh, get knocked out with an injury here for a bit. Uh, Rasheed Rice is is being Rasheed Rice. I mean, he's been probably the most impressive offensive player to me so far, uh, just with his ability to catch the deep ball. He's catching things over the middle. He's been physical. Um, he looks like he's poised to really take advantage of this season and and make a big name for himself in NFL draft circles. So really impressed with Rasheed. Uh, offensively, Tanner Mordecai and Preston Stone continue to battle it out in that quarterback competition that's going to go probably into fall camp. Um, and both have, have shown the glimpses of being really, really good. And also they've dealt with pressure and they've uh, had their moments where you could tell uh, maybe they're, they're not able to make some of those explosive plays and things like that that we saw in 2021. So SMU kind of still finding its way to replace Reggie Robertson and Danny Gray, obviously the explosiveness in terms of big plays down the field didn't come that often for SMU in 2021. But when you lose two guys like that, you've got to find some game breakers. And right now I would say Rasheed Rice certainly looks like that, uh, but he's he's not that burner. He's not that guy that, you know, has that, you know, 10 whatever 100 meter speed that those guys have. Danny Gray obviously had a huge NFL combine with his 40 yard dash time. Um, so good for Danny. Uh, I, I think it's just going to kind of be a process. They've got their feet wet with the new schemes. Uh, there are plenty of guys that need to step up and are getting opportunities to step up. And we'll kind of see how it all goes in the final weeks of spring ball leading up to that April 8th spring game. So that's kind of where SMU football stands on the spring practice side of things. Uh, recruiting will really pick back up after spring break as well. Uh, they've had a lot of guys on campus. They had a ton of prospects on campus for those final practices before spring break with a lot of the Dallas area schools on spring break. And so I think we'll start to see really the pecking order of which of these top prospects are really considering SMU, where they stand and, and uh, you know, where, where guys are going to take officials and, you know, for those top prospects at SMU are on, if they end up, you know, hitting the hilltop for an official visit. So on to basketball, uh, SMU did get a win over Tulsa. I thought they looked Really, really good. I picked SMU to beat Memphis because of that. Uh, and and I just felt like they were going to get it done. SMU had won 11 of 14 against Memphis going into that Saturday matchup. And, you know, the, the first half was, was you know, pretty pretty rough for the Mustangs. And, and they just kind of weren't able to get over that hump against Memphis. They took a lead. They had the momentum. But it just seems like that toughness, that athleticism that Memphis showed in the second half, SMU didn't have enough of. It didn't have the gas uh, to really get it done. And, you know, I think that it does come back to like roster construction. I mean, when you have the players that Penny Hardaway has on campus, eventually I think some of that talent is going to win out. We've seen them be one of the better teams in the AAC. Uh, and, and while Houston you know, did take the AAC championship, Memphis just was too much for SMU um, and the Mustangs missed the NCAA tournament because of it and in in part as well because of their strength of schedule um, SMU dropped those games against Loyola Marymount and, and Missouri um, they missed an opportunity to get a road win against Temple uh, one game that they led so when you look back at the snub that you know Tim Jankovic is kind of calling 
uh, SMU missing the tournament, yes, they finished number two in the league. They didn't put it together start to finish like you need to when you don't have much room for error. And despite the the team coming together as in, as a group of new players for the most part early this fall, and they weren't ready to play at a high level, you've got to be able to. And, and that's the big thing. And, you know, that that's kind of been not a calling card, but a calling card of the Tim Jankovic era is some of those losses, some of those moments where SMU doesn't play up to the level it can. And in this case, it bites them in the rear and they miss the NCAA tournament. They were the third team uh, out. So they weren't even that last team in. You know, Texas A&M's Buzz Williams made a big stink of it. But quite frankly, I know there's heartbreak, so to speak, and this and that. But, you know, once they lost that game to Memphis on Saturday, their their seat, their 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 fate was kind of sealed. And so I we saw that kind of carry over as far as that mindset against Nichols State. SMU had to fend off everything from Nichols State um, to get that win on on Wednesday night. And they certainly did that. And they were able to to get across the finish line and, and advance to face Washington State on Sunday at two o'clock in the second round. But you know Kendrick Davis didn't have his best game, which which happens. Um, but he played only 13 minutes in the second half. Tim Jankovic said after the game that he opted for a more defensive uh, rotation in that second half. Zurich Phelps played a lot, had some really good minutes for SMU. Emmanuel Bandamel did a tremendous job on Ty Gordon, one of the best scorers. Uh, and point getters in the country, uh, ranked top 10 going into the game, but held him to six points. And look, I think for for SMU, they've got that that uh, bad taste out of their mouth. I, I think they can advance past Washington State, which is a really, really good defensive team. But SMU's body language on Wednesday night was pretty disappointing for me for a, a veteran team. And I'm not too big on calling that out just because it's an emotional game. You see emotions run high all the time. But Marcus Weathers, he was he was kind of he was very animated uh, whenever there was a foul, whenever things went wrong. And I think the coaching staff and we saw Franklin Aguane play a lot. We saw Tristan Clark get some minutes. I think the coaching staff really had to manage the the team for the for the first time really as far as mentality goes. And that was kind of disappointing coming off of the Sunday. Uh, Tim Jankovic said that they really didn't do anything on Monday practice. They did a lot of talking and trying to get through what happened uh, to them as far as missing the NCAA tournament. And and then by Tuesday, they'd kind of bounce back a little bit, um, but in, in still a, a short shorter practice uh, for SMU as they prepared for Nichols State. Um, which, like I said, get, they gave SMU everything they could handle. SMU's defense really stepped up when it needed to. Nichols cut it to three multiple times. They cut it to two at one point in the second half late. And then SMU kind of shut the door. They made some big plays, a tip in by Emmanuel Bandamel. Uh, Marcus Weathers got a big basket. And then, you know, the final the final uh, you know tally ended up being 68-58 uh, for SMU to advance. So, with that behind them now, you would hope that this group can kind of really circle the wagons and say, all right, we almost let what happened in the AAC tournament beat us. You know, there was a lot of talk after the game uh, about, you know, the past is the past. We have to move on. We've got a new tournament to win. Uh, while we didn't get the chance to, you know, go to the NCAA tournament and make a run, we now have our sights set 
on winning the NIT and making a, you know, making it to Madison Square Garden and doing all those things. And I think SMU is certainly capable of doing that. They're talented enough. I think the mindset is going to be huge going forward. They do have some time off to let it marinate. Uh, Marcus Weathers kind of said that was kind of how they had to let it happen as far as uh, missing the tournament. They had to let it marinate a little bit, but they were able to get by Nichols. And so now they can kind of say, all right, we're in it. We got past them. Now let's see what we can do and make this run a reality. And so I do like SMU to, to beat Washington State in advance on Sunday. Um, but Washington State's a, a really good defensive team. It's kind of polar opposite from what they faced in Nickel State. They're a team that's going to be able to challenge a lot of shots for SMU. And and that's kind of their big you know thing. And, and sometimes we've seen SMU struggle with some of these really good defensive teams at times. So can SMU adjust? Can they shake off those final cobwebs of missing the NCAA tournament? I'm looking for a lot better effort, both as far as mentality and as far as offensively. I felt SMU tried to uh, really force a lot of things offensively, uh, and that's what led to 15 turnovers for the Mustangs. And this is a this is a game that now you can say, okay, all right, we've got some time. It's by that point, it'll have been a week. And it should be all on the NIT and, and finishing this thing out strong. You know, Kendrick Davis, I anticipate him bouncing back really well. Uh, he's tended to do that when he had an off game this season. He's bounced back really well. Um, and, you know, I expect him to be a leader. And, and that's the one of the big things that I felt like SMU was kind of missing on the floor uh, against Nichols is they just didn't have that mentality to, to kind of and, and I think they, they did and they did to an extent, you know, survive. But that mentality of really helping each other out, keeping each other positive, I, I just felt like it maybe wasn't there as much as it's been in the past uh, this season. I think that's part of the reason why they were able to beat Houston at home. They handled Memphis in the regular season. They handled the runs that other teams put against them really well. And it's because of the veterans. It's because of their mentality. And I just feel like they got by but it wasn't necessarily there on Wednesday night in Moody Coliseum. So we'll see if SMU can circle the wagons and, and get a win against uh, Washington State on Sunday, 2 p.m. Central on ESPN+. We'll be tracking that one for you guys on theponyexpress.com. Did want to get you guys this quick podcast off. Next week, SMU picks back up with spring practice, so we'll be out there watching them get back to work. A lot of recruiting updates to come. I was out at the Under Armour Dallas, and I'll wrap up with that. Uh, I was really impressed with Jackson Lavender. He's not the biggest guy out there, obviously, about 5'9", 160 pounds, but made a lot of competitive plays, showed his quickness, showed his ability to separate, um, and earned a wide receiver MVP honor uh, because of it. And he spoke to me a lot about about recruiting the guys and how excited he is about SMU and and trying to bring in other players to join him. He's clearly the, the leader of this 2023 class that is just getting underway for SMU. Um, was really impressed with him overall. So wanted to shout out uh, Jackson to uh, end this podcast. And uh, we'll continue to have updates from Under Armour Dallas. Talk to a lot of SMU prospects, uh, guys who've been on visits, guys who are getting to visit. So be sure to check out on theponyexpress.com. Check us out with a seven-day free trial. We appreciate all you guys who have subscribed to both the podcast and the website. I'm Billy Embody. I hope you guys have a great weekend. And uh, we'll catch you on Sunday with coverage of SMU's second round NIT matchup against Washington State.